Nashville Realtors, finding high quality photos and videos for your listings shouldn't be a hassle or break the bank. Nextdoor Photos is your local solution to help you get your listings sold faster. You can get on our calendar in under three minutes with our online booking platform. Take your pick from a wide range of services, including photos, floor plans, drone, listing websites, walkthrough videos, and more. And the best part, you'll have all your media delivered within 24 hours at no extra cost. Plus, our client portal makes it easy to find all your media in one place and upload straight to the MLS. For our Nashville Real Estate Podcast listeners, use the coupon code NREP, that stands for Nashville Real Estate Podcast, for 25% off your first order with us. Discover just how effortless it is to elevate your listings at nashville.nextdoorphotos.com. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Nashville Real Estate Podcast. I'm your new co-host, Brian Meeker. I'm incredibly excited to be joining forces with Jared on this season of the podcast and continuing the great work that he's done. So in the studio today, we have Becky Lawrence from Tyler York Real Estate joining us. I've known Becky for a couple years and she is a phenomenal person, both in her work, in her family life, and all of the margins around her life. She is somebody who pushes the envelope and strives for more and I think you're going to see that in our conversation. So Becky, hi, welcome, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Why don't you introduce yourself sure. to our listeners? Hey, um, so I'm Becky Lawrence. Um, I live with my husband and my three sons in Franklin. Um, almost a native. I've been in the area since I was 12. My husband who was born here still says that that doesn't count, but whatever. I've been here longer than most. Um, but yeah, I grew up around Columbia and um, have definitely made this my home. My whole family, extended family, um, is all in the area as well, which makes my mom super happy. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm here. I've got a seven, nine and 10 year old. We've actually uh, done a huge shift in our business this year and um, I've hired an assistant. So I'm homeschooling this year as well, um, which has been super fun keeping a, a very active full-time real estate company going while um, being very present with my kids at the same point. So it's been challenging, but it's been fun so far. Yes, that's Yes, there's a few things I want to come back to that. But you had mentioned you are from Nashville, so I'm going to give you a softball here. Our go-to first question to kick it off, you're going to go out to eat in Nashville. Where are you going and what are you going to order? Love this question. Um, so for me, I'm actually going to go to Franklin. Um, so they're in Franklin, and there's also one in Bellevue, but Sperry's. Um, is a local steakhouse. It has been in the area, I want to say, since the 60s or the 70s to have any family-owned restaurant have that kind of longevity in an area, you know they're doing something very well. Um, Sperry's has the most amazing filet Oscar um, and a snowball sundae that it's like their, their signature dessert. And, you know, we go downtown to all the fancy steakhouses every time we travel to, you know, we travel a lot. Whenever we go anywhere, we're always going to like the highest end steakhouse in any city. Sperry sets the bar by which all other steaks are judged and very rarely does anything come close to touching it. Yes. Well, you heard it here. <laughs> if you want the best steak. It's in Franklin and down in my neck of the woods. Yeah. That's awesome. What's the snowball Sunday? Um, so it's a really, um, 
the really high quality ice cream. So the more expensive the ice cream, the denser it is. I like a really hard, chewy ice cream. I don't like a soft serve. Yeah. So it's a ball of this rolled in coconut and slivered almonds and then covered with chocolate syrup over the top. And it's just like this cacophony of different textures and your vanilla and your sweetness of the, the coconut and the saltiness of the almonds all works together. Wow. I might have to go there after I leave I was going to say, I, I think I might need to swing by there as soon as we're done. The bad thing is you can't get the snowball sundaes to go. So, you know, you pretty much got to eat them while you're there. It's a good move on Sperry's yeah. part, though. You got to keep it in there. Cool. That's awesome. I have only heard the best things about Sperry's. I've not been. Oh my gosh. Not been. I know. I know. And I live right over there. I just, uh, it sounds awesome. Yes. Not to be confused with Perry's, which is also a nice restaurant. It's beautiful. Um, but Sperry's is where it's at. Yes. I have made that. I have, I was supposed to have a lunch at Perry's and I went to Sperry's and then I realized that I was in the wrong. It's spot. wrong. Yes. Yeah. That's great. Well, hey, let's dive right in. I'd, I'd love to um, talk a little bit about uh, kind of the beginning for you with real estate and let's just kind of bring it back to the beginning and tell us what you were doing before you got into real estate and talk a little bit about what was happening with you when you decided to get your license and make the change into the industry. Sure. Um, so my husband and I got married in 2012 and um, we had three children in the first four years we were married. And so I um, had all my kids super close together. So at the, I quit working right at the time that I was about ready to have my first. And then since the pregnancies were all kind of back to back, there was no point in trying to like reenter the workforce. Um, we were both a little older when we got married and we knew that we wanted to have multiple children. So there was a little bit of a ticking time bomb that we felt as far as a pressure to just do, do all the babies first. Um, and so my background prior to any of that had primarily been in the insurance space. I was not in sales, but I was um, always working behind the scenes as an admin to kind of hurricanes of agents that were just out there incredibly successful, but they were a disaster administratively. So I really appreciated bringing order um, to high producing agents around me, um, but had really had a mental block um, whenever it came to the idea of getting my license, I had never seen myself as a sales professional. And so um, then I had kids and I realized that having a three-year-old, two-year-old and a newborn um, was a lot to manage 24 hours a day, <laughs> seven days a week. And um, a little bit of like, yeah, you wanted this, now you've gotten yourself into this situation. And um, I'm a highly analytical person. And so while having three young people in your home to take care of, definitely kept me busy. I felt like my brain was like literally turning to mush. I needed, I kind of compare it to like a hamster on a wheel or, or like an Australian shepherd stuck inside of an apartment. Like my brain is designed to solve complexity. And in the absence of complexity, I became very anxious. I became very depressed. And you know, you could go through this whole thing. Well, you just had three kids in four years. Like, is this hormones? Is this like, what is actually going on? Um, and right around that time, um, uh, in, in the midst of having three kids, we had also flipped a couple of homes in the neighborhood that we lived in prior to getting my license, of course, but I had found really great deals on these properties and I had really done a lot to 
changed the trajectory of our financial future. And my husband's background was uh, general contracting. He had built houses for years. So it was really a great um, skill set to be able to come together through the process of flipping homes in this neighborhood. I really became like the go-to person in the neighborhood for like if somebody needed a painter or somebody needed this or needed that. Um, people were very curious about the work that we were doing. So I kind of started developing some sort of credibility within there concerning real estate, even though I wasn't a real estate agent. And my husband had been telling me for years, you would be amazing at sales. Like, I don't know what this block is that you have, but you need to get your real estate license. And we had several friends who did it. And I was just, I don't know. I just, I did not think I would be good at it. And, um, and so anyway, uh, right when my third child was born, decided to, you know, I'm already up in the middle of the night as it is. I might as well just go online and take my real estate classes. <laughs> um, and I did that and uh, managed to pass them on the first time, having a three-month-old extremely sleep-deprived. I have no idea what act of God that took, but it, I, I just can't even... It's amazing. Yeah, I, I don't even know. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, but anyway, so past that, um, but my, my husband essentially had been telling me for a long time that he felt like I needed to get my license. He ended up having um, lunch with a friend of his one day and his friend was actually his previous real estate agent who had actually put his license into retirement so he was no longer active. He had inherited two homes that year from family members. And he told my husband, I'm gonna have to sell these houses, tell Becky to go get her license and she can I'll give her her first two listings. So they kind of conspired <laughs> to work together. So John came home and he was like, what real estate agent has their first two listings before they ever get their license? Like he's gonna let you do this. He's gonna walk you through the process. He, he's a seasoned agent. He knows the ropes. He knows you don't know what you're doing. Like he's gonna mentor you through this. And it really seemed like a no brainer at that point because for what it would cost me to get my license would have been completely paid for in my first two deals. And so there was, it really took, took away all the objections. Even if I got into it and I wasn't great at it, we were flipping homes. It was going to save us money whenever we bought and sold. And then here I, you know, I've got these first two deals. Um, the funny thing is, is that that was kind of the, the, the impetus that got us into it, but I've never flipped a home since I got my license. So <laughs> I got into it. I did those first two deals, um, and just quickly started generating business. Um, it, it's funny. I say quickly when a lot of that business ended up coming from the work that I'd done over the last three years from flipping homes and from simply being a resource to people and developing relationships with curious neighbors. And I was always, yeah, feel free to come over and walk through. I'd love to show you what we're doing. Um, and you know, by the way, you know, I've got a book club in the neighborhood and I just done a lot to really create a sense of community. And so it's easy to say, oh, well, my business took off, but I had been doing a lot of things in the background un unwittingly. Um, that really bled into having some instant success, if you will. I don't like to consider it that. But, um, and so a lot of people, I feel like when they get into real estate, when they hit the ground running, you can kind of look back and say, all right, what were they doing prior to this that kind of bled into their success? Because I don't believe in the concept of overnight success. You know, you, I think there's bamboo trees that, you know, you water for like eight years and nothing comes out of the ground. And then all of a sudden they grow like 16 feet in the first three weeks or something. It's some crazy number that it's like, you just have to, you know, keep doing the stuff under the surface. And then when, when everything hits, then everybody's like, oh my gosh, it's an overnight success. But I think it's important to realize in moments like that, that no, you were probably doing a lot behind the scenes that bled into being successful in that. Yeah. So yeah, it sounds like you were doing the work of a real estate agent before you were a real estate agent and yeah. that you were able to just pick up your license, hit the ground running and go. So you've got three kids under three. Uh -huh. You just got your license. You've got two listings. 
did you go full time right off the bat or did you yeah. kind of ease in? So I'm very fortunate that I was in a position financially that I was a stay at home mom. And so I didn't, um, I did not enter the industry feeling like I had to make a full-time income. I wasn't trying to replace any income. And that is such a privilege that I don't feel like a lot of people get to get to have. Um, and so um, I know that by my, you know, I, I think I got my license in May. I think I sold four or five homes that first year from May to December. I know that the next year from January to December, I more than doubled the income that I was making prior to having children um, while having complete control of my schedule, my time, you know, That's getting out of the house when I want to get out of the house, paying somebody to go and show houses for me if I couldn't make it, if I'm in the middle of having a sick kid or nap time or whatever it was. Um, and so it was, it, it was such a, a seamless transition um, and, you know, I value time way more than I value money. And so being able to have that agency over how I spent my time and what clients I chose to work with um, when I had primarily always been in a W-2 <laughs> type job where, you know, this is when you have to be there. There's all these rules and restrictions around, you know, what you can do when you're at work and, um, and all of that. So um, I really just came upon that and I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Especially realizing in year two, with having doubled my income from my previous double, year two, doubling my income from my previous job, um, being able to look at that and, and really question myself. And it changed the way that I viewed myself because I had really thought up to that point that I, I'm just, I'm not gonna be great at it. We have all these friends that are doing really well. And it's almost like I discredited my ability before I ever even started, you know? And that old quote that said that fear kills more dreams than failures ever could. And it's so true because I almost let fear stand in the way of doing the entire thing. Um, and now, you know, by year three, I'm looking around at all the people I used to be super intimidated with and I'm either on track with them or I'm outperforming where they're at in their business. And then that, that was, and it, it wasn't this, I'm better than them. It was this epiphany of you didn't think you could do this and you're doing it. It's almost like teaching your kid to ride a bike and they're so scared and they're wobbly and all of a sudden they're still freaking out, but they don't realize that you haven't had their hand, your hands on their bike for 10 minutes and they're halfway down the street and all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, I'm actually doing this. I totally had that moment in my business year two and three of being like, this is the most incredible thing that I've ever been a part of. I can't believe what a privilege it is to be able to do this. Um, I'm making some of the best friends of my life. I'm, I'm meeting some incredible clients. People are trusting me to walk through this huge life transition with them. Um, and I still, I mean, I'm almost eight years into it. I still pinch myself. You know, there are, no matter what job you have, no matter how passionate you are about it, there's going to be days where work is just work. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm dealing with a real estate deal right now that as I was going to dinner with a friend last night, it was like, man. I've got to get out of my funk, you know, and I went to dinner, got my head out of it and came home and I was fine. Um, so there's still moments of that, but, um, but just to be able to do something that, you know, um, people value that, that they see the, the benefit of using a professional versus, you know, you, there's so many options now for selling real estate and to be able to have your clients consistently come back at, you know, at, almost at year eight, I'll be at year eight in the spring of next year. But so many of my clients aren't starting to come back who bought in the first year or the second year. And so I've got clients who have done five or six transactions with me. Um, and that means more to me than just about anything else to be able to have people continually come back and say, you're my person. 
and I know that you're going to lead me straight. I know that you're going to have industry knowledge that I'm not going to have access to. And more than anything, I trust you to work on my behalf to make good decisions. Um, that trust element of having just those relationships where people just continue to come back to you is so deeply meaningful to me. And I can't imagine that that ever gets old. Especially when you're talking about navigating somebody through most likely the largest purchase or the largest sale that they've done ever mm -hmm. at that point. Mm -hmm. That's a huge deal. I it mean, is. when you're looking at somebody and you're saying, I'm going to help you sell your largest asset and I'm going to help you do it. The whole, I'm going to hold your hand. I'm going to give you the best advice. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear. I'm going to shoot you straight. That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really big deal. So it, you know, real estate is helping somebody in maybe one of the most stressful situations that they're going to go through. In a Especially long time. since COVID when there's now a lot of people working from home that didn't used to work from home. So it's like, not only are you disrupting somebody's life, you're disrupting children's naps, you're disrupting um, studios in people's homes, you're disrupting people's home offices and having to work around that and, and understanding the complexities that come with an overall life disruption. And, you know, I tell my sellers all the time that, you know, it's something that like, I, there's no way that I'm going to promise you that this is going to be easy because I'm disrupting nearly every area of your life. And this is your home. This is the place that you come to retreat when the world gets overwhelming. And now we're moving the overwhelming part to the inside of your house. So I'm not going to sugarcoat this and say that it's going to be easy. This is going to be stressful and this is going to be complicated and this is going to be not so fun. But I'm going to be like the duck. I'm paddling furiously under the water and I'm doing my best at the surface to keep things as calm as I can. Hmm. But for anybody to come up and say, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake. You're not going to feel this. No, you're going to have a tsunami hit the middle of your life. But you know, as you go through an experience like that, and some are worse than others, you know, some people are just in a life stage that they're like, oh, you know, I've got an RV. I'm just going to go and live in the RV for a couple of, you know, a couple of weeks while we get this thing listed. So there are ways to minimize that. Um, but at the very least, from, for the average person who's living in a home, a lot of them are working from home. There's no way to go through this experience. Um, and not have some element of stress and um, to be able to prepare a client for that on the front end and not um, romanticize the experience of just saying, this is going to be great and you're going to love every minute of this. And because I'm such a great agent, you are just going to be riding off into the sunset. No, it's going to be tough. We're going to feel like we went to war together, <laughs> but by the end of it, we have forged this band of brothers. And um, when we get to the other end of it, you're going to call me again when it's time to do it because you're going to know that inevitably when you're scared or you're stressed out or the inspection didn't go the way that we hoped that it would or whatever, you've got a, a calming sense and a calming voice of reason to come in and say, all right, so here are the facts. Let's disseminate that down. Let's make it as simple as we can. Now, this is, these are your three options. Um, and I think more than anything, people are looking for guidance. One of the things that our broker said to me in the spring of last year, I was kind of going through a time of burnout. And um, he said something that has changed the, the way that I have viewed this entire market since the shift of higher interest rates. But he said, you know, Becky, I feel like up to this point that agents have taken way too much credit when things were good. And now we're taking way too much responsibility when things are bad. And so, you know, if you look back at the social media post two years ago, it's like, oh my gosh, I put this house out and in less than 24 hours, we got eight offers over asking and it's just amazing. And I look like a rock star and everything's great, you know. Well, my broker would probably challenge that and say, you know, 
the agent down the street who sold two houses in a year who knows nothing about what they're doing also put a sign in the yard and might have also gotten six or eight offers, you yeah. know? Like yeah. part of that is just the nature of the industry and we're all riding the waves as they go up and as they go down. But that meant a lot to me to have Charlie say, hey, you know what, don't beat yourself up. You're gonna watch your listings sit on the market for a little longer and you're gonna have to have difficult conversations with your sellers that might inc might include terms like price reductions that you've not had to really do in the last few years. And um, how to navigate that through and not internalize it as a personal failure um, I, has been super helpful for me, for me to be able to have conversations with my sellers on the front end that say, okay, these are, these are the things that we can control. These are the things that we can't. I, as your real estate agent, have nothing to do with the interest rates, and I can't help be held personal responsible for realizing that the rate that you currently have your mortgage at, your buyer is now going to be paying three times your monthly payment to buy the same house. So understanding and unpacking what I can control and not trying to play God in these moments and then feeling like a failure for the things that I can't. If a listing is sitting on the market a little longer and I know that I have stayed true to the marketing that I promised to the money that I promised to put into it, if it's sitting a little longer and we're getting feedback, then it's a re rehashing with the seller of saying, all right, what does this look like? I know, you know what? I did think it would sell in 30 days. We're at day 33 now. And I know that you've got a home sale contingency and you've got to get moved. Let's come back to the table and have a discussion. Two years ago, that language didn't have to be in your repertoire. That's not something that agents had to know how to navigate, but we do need to know how to navigate it now. And um, being able to um, differentiate between, am I doing a bad job or is this a tough market? Um, has really helped me to have more integrity with myself and not internalize the fact that it's the doom and gloom. And we hear it all the time. Oh my gosh, the feds might raise the rates again. Well, you know what? If I'm here to provide honest, transparent service to my clients, then all I can do, I'm here to just spread information and say, all right, these are the facts. Now this is what I suggest doing with that information, you know? Right. But I feel like there's a lot of real estate agents when these rates started going up, a lot of people were hunkering down and kind of running for the hills of, oh my gosh, how do I sell a house in an 8% interest rate? You know, the same way that people sold houses in 19% interest rates, yeah. you know, they didn't internalize it. I'm not responsible. I, I, I can say it sucks. It's, it's, it's not fun. I don't like having these conversations. Um, but that was a huge shift for me in the spring of this year, just to say, you know what, I need to be super clear as to the value proposition that I'm bringing and what I'm also not responsible for. Yeah. And it's really, and I think I use this word really intentionally. It's really kind of you to do that with your clients, to say, here's what I can control. Here's what I cannot, mm -hmm. here's what I can do. And here's, here's what we're just going to have to figure out as we go along this mm -hmm. together because it would be incredibly unkind of you to sit down with somebody as they're about to sell you sell their house and you say guys I'm gonna make this so easy mm -hmm. we're gonna we're gonna sell this house in two weeks it's gonna be awesome right like that you're just setting yourself up for failure you're setting them up for disappointment and it's just it's a whole thing so I, I love that you tackle that on the front end and you mm -hmm. just say hey here here's the here's the playing field mm -hmm. here and here's where we're at yeah and this could get rough. And the rules can change. And the rules can change. You know, yes, halfway exactly through, right. it's like, hey, by yes. the way, you know, we had this conversation two weeks ago, and now uh, we've had two other homes hit the market that are $20,000 below the comps that I gave you. And now, yes, could we still put your house on the market for what we said? Sure. 
but you're going to be competing against two other homes that are, you know, pretty much the same floor plan, same condition. Like, what would you do if you were a buyer, you yeah. know? Um, and so, and that's one thing that I just say that, you know, kind of, uh, it, it sounds silly to say this, but I really do think that, you know, if Southwest Airlines is the two, is the, the best airlines because two bags fly free, I think as a sales professional, you've got to figure out like, what are your two bags fly free? Mm. What is your value proposition that you're offering that you don't feel like other people necessarily are doing the same thing? And I always tell my clients, like, I will communicate, you are never going to have to wonder what's going on. You know, and I'm going to be out ahead of things and I'm going to prepare you in advance as much as I can. Now, there's still some curveballs, um, but you're never going to have to sit there and say, man, I just I wonder where we're at, you know. And so I think that just that communication on the front end of being able to say, here's here. We're charting the course, but I'm going to continue to keep you updated because we could have all sorts of things play into this over the next 30, 40, 60 days. Um, and my commitment to you is to stay on top of it, stay ahead of it and keep you informed. Yeah. So. Uh... You had mentioned earlier, said, hey, back in the spring, I has I was dealing with some burnout. I'd love to talk about that just a little bit. And we can we can kind of dip our toes in that water. But you we had actually talked about this previously uh, a couple weeks ago, and I'd love to revisit this, but you you were essentially dealing with some fatigue, some burnout. Um, and a lot of that was well, I'll let you talk about that. But I think the reason I bring this up is not to just poke at a soft spot, but I, I do believe that there are realtors in Nashville um, and other markets that are probably dealing with a lot of these same things. Uh, the chances are pretty high that you're not the only one who's gone through this. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about your journey with burnout. Sure. And so, um, you know, I've always thought real estate was just a very natural inclination for me. You know, I got into it and experienced success pretty quickly. And um, kind of uh, use that as the fuel of the tank of... I'm just, I'm just naturally personality wise. I love meeting people. I'm a natural networker. All of these things just lead so well into doing this and being successful. And that worked for a long time until I hit April of this year and suddenly none of my tools in the box were working anymore. Um, I had, you know, I was doing quite a bit of transactions and I had a decent amount of volume all by myself. I didn't have a transaction coordinator. I didn't have really people on my team. I really believed that if it was going to get done well and right, it needed to be me. And it was a lack of trust in, in my ability to hire somebody and my ability to find help. Um, and in going through that, I kind of got to the point that as my business, strangely enough, in the spring was super busy. Um, I got to the point that it used to be the most exciting thing whenever my phone would ring and I didn't recognize the number and I would literally pick up every call with, this could be my next client, you know? And I got to the point that every time my phone would ring, it would make my stomach hurt. And I got to the point that I would wake up in the morning and I'd, you know, your, your first bout, your first dip into your email inbox for the day and you've got 60 people needing you or whatever it is, you know? And I just found that the fuel, I was, I kept slamming that gas pedal and there was nothing in there to give and the car was not inching forward. And it's the first time in my life I had ever experienced anything like that to say, but where are all, where's my bubbly personality? Where's my, my enthusiasm for loving on people? And where's my, where's the joy that I just, where's the pep in my step? Where's this, this bouncy spirit for the people who know me? I'm a very high energy person. And all of a sudden I felt like I couldn't pull myself out of bed and I was crying all the time and I didn't know why. And it was a really strange experience because that's not who I've ever been 
And so it was a strange phenomenon to almost, it was very scary to where you almost don't recognize the person that you are. You're in a body that you don't quite know what in the world is going on. Um, so it was scary. Um, my business was still doing well. And typically if I had ever had dips in the past, um, this is kind of an emotional roller coaster of an industry to be in. You'll be at the top and you're like, Oh, I just, I just had an $80,000 month. This is great. And then you'll go two months and you'll make nothing, you know? And so you kind of have that, but it was a strange thing that my business was actually doing really well, which should cause me to feel like I was on top of the world and I wasn't feeling it. Hmm. And got to the point that I just felt like the last thing I wanted to do was to talk to somebody. I didn't want to engage with anyone. I would come home and my husband would be like, Hey, just invited the neighbors over for some drinks on the back porch. And it would like, literally I would just implode because I'm like, I can't talk to anybody you don't understand. And he is looking at me like, who are you and what have you done with my wife? You know? (laughs) And it scared him because he was like, what's going on? You know? So, I mean, I went through the whole, the whole thing, you know, I'm, I'm going and I'm like, maybe it's hormonal, maybe I'm doing, you know? And so I, I went and did all the responsible things that an adult would do and everything checked out and I was fine. And then I ended up sitting down and having this conference conversation with Charlie, my broker. And he was the one who was like, Hey, I feel like Agents as a whole have taken way too much credit for things being good. And even though your business is at a high level right now, he said, I feel like you may be internalizing a lot of what is happening in the world and you're boiling that down. And when you are talking to your clients, somehow you feel like it's your fault. And this has nothing to do with you. And he shifted so much of my perspective that your job is not to control the interest rates. Your job is not to control what somebody does with a house payment. Your job is to be the most knowledgeable person in the room and disseminate that information on a way that your clients can understand. That's your job. Say that one more time. Your job is not to control interest rates. Your job is not to control somebody's house payment. Your job is not to control somebody's repair amendment. Your job is to be the industry expert, to understand all what there is to know about the industry and to disseminate that or boil that down on a level that your clients can understand. You are there to communicate knowledge. You are there to communicate information. And when we get outside of that with our feelings, outside of that very defined role with our feelings, he said, you're going to burn out in this industry in a way that you didn't when interest rates were two and 3%. It's hitting different now. And you need to be aware that, and here's somebody who's had so much more experience in the industry. And for him to have that clarity and speak that into me at that moment, I have told him so many times since then, I have shared this on webinars with hundreds of people. I've been like, I've shared it across so many podcasts. I just feel that that was such a nugget that we still, I still need to remind myself of it. I still need to hear that, right? Because it's like, wait a minute. Oh, ooh, I feel some angst around this. Oh, that's right. I'm internalizing their situation. You know, that sucks that, that we've gotten the offer accepted and now rates have gone up. And for, you know, whatever reason, they didn't have a rate lock. Now they can't afford to buy the house. That's horrible. And I hate it for them. Also not my fault. Mm-hmm. Also not my problem. Yeah. You know, and the ability to love people and to empathize without bringing that home with me and without letting that wake me up at three o'clock in the morning as it was, um, has been a huge growth moment for me. Um, but I, sometimes it's just the simplest truths, you know, again, Charlie just dipping that in. It was such a brief conversation. I promise you in that moment, he had no idea the impact that that small statement that he made just, it changed. I believe 20 years from now, I will look back at that as a watershed moment Mm. that seven years into this, I had not had to have that conversation with myself. 
Um, so that, that's kind of my, you know, my, my, my foray into, um, into burnout. I will also say that I started developing better boundaries around my work. I think real estate up to that point for me had kind of been a free for all that it was like, I'm available to anybody who needs me no matter what at any given time. And um, I, I think that's normal for, for realtors. Right? Sure. Yeah. No, you don't want to miss the sale. You don't want to miss the sale. And I have missed sales. Yeah. I have had those phone calls that I missed because I was tucking my kids into bed. And whenever I called them back a half an hour later, later, they were people who were just going down a Google list and they're like, Hey, I already found somebody, you know, that's not normal, but it's happened to me. And yeah. those phone calls suck. Yeah. They suck, you know, but I've also kind of gotten to the point in my life that, um, I've been very fortunate to have a lot of older women in this industry speak into me, people who have adult children now who raised children um, through this industry. And I've heard a lot of harrowing stories from very successful female agents who have looked back and say, you know, I think I might've made the wrong choice with my kids growing up, you know, and I'm still kind of recovering. And it's not only to moms, you know, but I'm still kind of re, re healing, maybe I'm healing, I'm finding some healing in those relationships with my kids and times that I really wasn't present with them when they were little. And now that my boys are seven, nine and 10, something has just clicked in my heart and in my life and in my head over the last year of realizing that these are the glory days that everybody talks about. These are the glory days, the people who are 50 and 60 and 70, when I'm going through the grocery store and they see me with my seven year old, I, they, they smile and they're, they've got this thing of like, savor this moment. This is amazing and you'll never get it back. Yeah. And yeah. I'm so thankful that I, I really feel like I've had the gift of this epiphany or this, this perspective. And I feel like the time that I have with my kids is like holding sand in my hand and I just, it's just fallen through and I'm not going to lose them when they're teenagers or when they're adults, you know, that's going to be a completely different, beautiful season of life. But right now, um, my husband is home, I'm home and to be able to, to, to just be the center of their universe right now is the coolest thing. Yeah. And you know, if I jump in the car and say, Hey, we're going to go on an adventure. I don't get hit with, well, why are we doing that? Or where are we going? Or, you know, or a bunch of objections. Like it may happen whenever they're older and I'm competing for more of their time. I'm competing for girlfriends or jobs or friends or trips or all of that right now. We're their world. Mm. And, you know, uh, we do this thing with our kids when we put them to bed that we'll sit around and say, you know, what are your two happy things for today? You know, some people would call it gratitude, but on their level, what are the two best things that happened to you today? And last night as we were putting them to bed, um, my husband and I, we've got these sleep masks. And so we'll go into the room and we play Marco Polo. And um, we had the best time. Everybody's a sweaty mess, you know, by the time you get done. And it's so funny because we don't do that all the time, but we did it last night. And then going around asking everybody as they're tucked in, like, what were your happy things today? All three of them said playing Marco Polo with you, you know? And I was like, man, if this isn't the good stuff in life, I don't know what is. Yeah. They didn't say that, you know, oh, I wish we would have taken the big trip or I wish yeah. we would have gone and didn't, you know, had the awesome dinner, whatever. It was yeah. like, then you played a game yeah. in the bedroom yeah. with what you had and that was enough. And it's precious. And it literally is, my heart burst with joy and gratitude and contentment at realizing the finiteness of the moment that I'm at with my kids. They're, they are my favorite people and I just want to be with them and I want to spend time with them. So going through this period of burnout, um, I said, 
this is not sustainable. I can't, I cannot continue to be all things to all men and realized that I had a really strange codependency around that, that I only felt good if people really needed me and in kind of discovering my worth and my value as a person outside of what I could provide to somebody was huge. Worked through a lot of therapy with that. Um, but anyway, it was just a beautiful moment, though, of being able to say, you know, I'm, I'm going to prioritize my family. And in doing so, I ended up hiring somebody. So I brought in a full-time assistant in July. Um, she had industry experience. And um, she I tell her probably two or three times a week how much of my life she's given me back. She literally took off all of my precedent urging. Uh, or press, pressing and urgent needs. Um, and so, you know, I, I still go to listing appointments and I'll still go out and show houses because I enjoy doing that. Um, but she does so much back end work for me to where when I'm home, I can really be home. Mm. Um, and I can be super intentional about the time that I'm away from my family. And I'm just in a completely different season than I was when I had a, a, a baby and a two and a three year old, you know, but the, the, the stride that we're in with our family, with my husband being able to be home and and um, we really, we really feel like we've kind of life hacked, and we're des we've designed our lives to live in a way that um, most people don't. I'm not going to say most people can't. We've made some really tough sacrifices, and we've done some really ballsy things to get to where we're at that yeah. a lot of people wouldn't be willing to do. I don't think it's luck. I think that we've made some very strategic choices to prioritize what's important to us. But being with our kids is super important to us at this stage in their life, and being able to live out your values is where true happiness and alignment comes from. That's incredible. That's incredible. I think that is, I, it doesn't matter what you do and it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. I think you're exactly right. Like the, the life that you want is attainable if you're willing to go for it. Like mm -hmm. if you're willing to do what it takes to set up the, the life and the work boundaries and the risk that you're tolerant, like how much risk are you willing to put mm -hmm. out there? Like mm -hmm. if you can do that, if you can stomach it, you got a good chance at mm -hmm. winning the life that you really, really want. And I think that's, I think that's so wise. And I think there's a lot there. So, well, Becky, we are coming up on our time. I, I just want one last thing from you here. Uh, I, we've talked about this before. I think it's genius. I tell me how you hired your assistant. <laughs> um, I can't take the credit for this. It was actually my husband's idea, um, but I knew I needed to find somebody. So I used ChatGPT to write a job description um, for anybody not using ChatGPT. Just delve into it. It's yes. not difficult. It's going to change your life. Agreed. Um, <laughs> I use it for everything. <laughs> um, I actually texted my mom yesterday with a ChatGPT response. <laughs> um, anyways, so ChatGPT, yeah, to write a job description. Um, and then I think the genius move was I did put it on Indeed. A lot of people feel like you have to like pay for Indeed to give you higher visibility. Nope, you, free, free on Indeed. Um, and then um, at the bottom of it, I just more or less said that this is kind of an unconventional role for an unconventional person. So in lieu of sending me a resume, I wanted to somebody to send me a two to three minute video answering a handful of questions. I think there was like three questions and the questions themselves are not even that important. Um, but to send me a video um, of, you know, what interested them about real estate. Um, what and I did ask too, I ask a lot of people this, when's the last time you've done something that's really scared you? Uh, because I want to make sure that these are people who can push themselves and they're okay. They are comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, and what is your idea of a flexible schedule? 
because everybody wants to get into the market and they're like, oh my gosh, I want to get in real estate because it's so flexible. Well, what does flexibility mean to you? Because sometimes flexibility means taking a phone call in the middle of a dinner you're hosting. Um, I've been on the phone at dinner in the Eiffel Tower. Um, all these once in a lifetime experiences, I can tell you what deals I was working on that trip. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I want to make sure that there's not a, uh, a, a false narrative in somebody's head about what it means to be, um, uh, flexible. Um, but you know, I ended up having like 98 people, um, apply for this job on Indeed. And I guess the application process on Indeed is kind of like just to click the button to apply. So it's way, the bar is very, very low. Anybody can apply for anything. Um, and, um, had several people send over resumes. I ended up with, um, a lot of people who had emailed me saying that they couldn't figure out how to attach a large file, mm. um, to an email as far as their videos. And that was automatically a non-starter because this is for an, you know, an administrative assistant role. And I need you to be able to figure it out. Even if you don't know, do you have the ability to go on Google? Or are you going to come to me to solve every technological issue that you come up with? And so those people were just an automatic non-starter. Um, had some people who applied who, you know, I had the benefit of seeing their faces and to be able to just tell, like, what is their, are, 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 do they have confidence? Do they present themselves? Do they speak clearly? Are they scared to death to be on video? Are they super intimidated by this process? Um, I knew that there was a personality that I was looking for. Um, also had some people that just got on that just had an aesthetic that was not going to work for me as a representation of myself in business. Um, and so anyway, it was, it was great. I was able to go through 98 applications and boil it down to two people that I was interested in. Wow. And I did that over the course of six days without making a single phone call or sending a single email to anybody outside of posting the ad on Indeed. I boiled it down to two. Incredible. And I ended up hiring one of them and, um, call it beginner's luck or dumb luck or whatever, but she has been amazing. And I'm so glad that I, that whole video piece. And again, it's not even the questions, ask them anything, get them on video and make sure that they a know how to send it to you and B that you, you can look at them over the course of a three or four minute video and think that there's somebody that you would enjoy working with. And that's somebody who's going to represent you well. Um, my husband owns multiple companies, probably has a hundred employees and he uses this across the board in many different industries to hire. That's and I think so it's amazing. <laughs> I love that idea. I, when you told me that a couple of weeks ago, I have been just so anxious to bring on my next team member because I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to use that. I cannot wait. It's so good. Well, I love it. Becky, thank you so much. This has been really, this has been really good. And thanks for talking about some hard stuff. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of people out there who can hear what you're, what you went through and your mindset as you shifted through that and where you are now and be able to, um, to really get something from that. And so thanks for doing that. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Thank, Thank you, you for so having me. Well, where can, um, where can somebody find some more information about you? Sure. Uh, Instagram is probably the best. And so I'm at Becky Lawrence Realtor and that's B E K K I L O W R A N C E Realtor. Nobody spells my name right, but there it is regardless. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. probably the best place. Awesome. Well, thank you, Becky. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm Jared Swanson at Nashville Real Estate Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you feel extra generous, leave us a five-star review. I greatly appreciate it. 